I heard you all wanted another episode. Episode 47. Welcome to Faith in the Fresh Five podcast brought to you by me, Rohati. I'm your host and I'm on Treaty 7 territory in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. One of the ways you can support this podcast is the simple way, rate it, follow us. Then share it with one of your friends. I will venture with you as we figure out this journey through deconstructing and decolonizing Christianity. Episode 47 features my new friend Sharifa Stevens. You ever have one of those conversations with someone and you realize this? This is a kindred soul. That's how I felt in this conversation and spending some time with Sharifa. It wasn't just the Eeyore jokes or how we collectively bathe in the waters of unrest, how we share the prophetic voice when it comes to naming and truth-telling all that ain't right in the world. It wasn't even our conversation that I didn't include about mangoes. Let's be real. A lot of the world's problems would be solved if we just had more mangoes. In this episode, we begin by tracking Sharifa's story growing up, her experience in a diverse church, her faith formation, which is a fascinating story. Then we meander our way through in the search for affirmations, but this time in all the right places. We speak to elevating the voices of those on the margins, particularly women of color, and we name pathways to resistance unto ultimate liberation. Liberative community is what we're after. And at the end, you get this treat, which I think is a book. And I hope, Sharifa, I hope you take it. I hope you do it. A book on dispersing power. Whew. Enough from me. Let's jump into this episode. jamming off air for a good half hour yes. <laughs> just hanging out and we realized you know sometimes you can and that's why I kind of love this you wouldn't know but in this season seven of faith in the fresh vibe I've dr- drawn in some friends and then some of them are just like oh gosh like if we were together in the same city I think we'd be friends yeah. I think we'd be like a tiered friend there's tiers of friends I don't know why I keep talking about this in every episode tiers of friends and there's like the whatever friends and then there's like those top tier friends where you get one another and and our conversation around grief and the prophetic call of 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 what what was the word you used the metaphor you used around grief it was it bathing in angst and unrest bathing or in, was the, it yet in another? the unrest yeah 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 and i was just like wait a minute that's me <laughs> We're not alone as no. we as we wash <laughs> in these, this in grief these and trauma. <laughs> yeah, these <laughs> deep, deep waters. <laughs> uh, but you also legitimize that by calling it, and it's true. Although I wonder if, in some ways, it's like the Christian answer to, <laughs> to it is the grief. absolutely not. You know, I mean, I feel like if if anything, 
the Bible has shown us that the answer to prophetic words is uh-huh. violence. It's, it's death. Mm-hmm. It is um, isolation. So I, yeah. I think that's ooh. You know, I think what I, I think what we were talking about was how the flip side of bathing in the waters of angst is um, having this constant vision for what is ideal, what is beautiful, what is good, mm. and and experiencing the disappointment of that not being reality. The flip side of that mm. prophetic insight is um, heartbreak, really, because there are things that can be that are not constant yeah i have to sit with with that because you're 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 right i don't want to accept it in that the prophetic imagination leads into more death and destruction for for the prophet and perhaps picturing for the people too that even in your lifetime you will not see the fruits of your like oh i don't want that no i mean i don't either that's why we (laughs) need deep waters we just sometimes drowning sometimes treading sometimes swimming right and always it feels like it's against the current Mm -hmm. shucks well that's a great start I wonder if how many folks, because we also said this, how many folks are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, nodding the head. Like the prophetic folks are the, are the ones who can feel, either experience or feel, empathize with the injustice around them that, yeah, yeah, I get it. You get it. And then there are folks who are like, no idea what you're talking about. That sounds terrible, but. How could you live like that? That's it sounds exhausting. You should be more joyful. Yeah. Maybe pray harder. Oof. All you need is prayer. I keep mm. hearing that one. Sharifa, what lands are you currently situated on? We're gonna do lands to offer some context, but yeah. also we're gonna use the foundation of the prophetic call or the treading of of the waters of grief and unrest as our as our foundation moving forward here but uh let us know describe tell us uh where are you currently situated on where i am is the land of the wichita the kickapoo the jumanos and the tawakani those are the nations that should be Mm. here populating um flourishing here this is dallas texas all the way to Dallas, we've been told that uh, Alberta uh, is the Texas of the North. Unless Ooh, we do something so like sorry. really strange, <laughs> then we're the Florida of the North. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, depends where and what you know what time of year. But uh, I've heard Calgary is very much like Houston, oh. and apparently Houston is more diverse. Yes. Um, yeah, I was about to say that's. That's probably a compliment because of the diversity of immigrant populations in Houston. It's It's got flavor. <laughs> it's slowly changing here. We're still, you know, uh, a conservative province, predominantly white, but the, the cities are shifting. Now, you have been in Dallas for how long? Mm, don't 
Don't make me say it again. Okay, uh, just uh, a little bit Almost of time. Almost half my life. <laughs> Almost half your life. Um, and you have attended seminary? Yes, I uh -huh. graduated with a master's of theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. And the uh -huh. seminaries were brought me to these parts. Uh-huh. So originally from... New York. I'm from the Boogie Down Bronx, originally. <laughs> Second generation and American. Second gen, but your folks are from... Jamaica. Ah, uh, Jamaica. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's your, your parents are from Jamaica? Yes. Yeah, okay. And my grandparents. Mm. And my great-grandparents. And... How many folks are still in the Bronx then? So I still have um, aunts and cousins in the Bronx. Uh -huh. And um, like good Jamaicans, you know, we spread out. So uh -huh. <laughs> we have some in, in, in Canada, mm -hmm. in Ontario, and we have some in um, Florida, of course. And I have some... Uh, <laughs> extended family in england of course uh-huh as is tradition yes yes <laughs> uh -huh. as is the queen's extension for colonizing our yes i'm a i'm a colonized family because uh mm. so my folks are from jamaica my husband's folks are from canada and australia oh yeah <laughs> He's, they're from canada yes his dad Shut was from canada mm -hmm. How about that? Why did you go to Texas? You were chasing school, you said? Yes. So I went to seminary um, because I had a very lovely young adult pastor who um, really uh, fostered community and uh love for Jesus and a curiosity for the Bible that um, that grew me up in the faith in, in a way that was different for me because mm -hmm. I think I grew up with the zealousness of following God, but also with a fear, a fear that made me want to keep a polite distance. From God. From God. Oh. Yeah, like, uh -huh, uh -huh. let's not know each other too well. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, you kill people. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. just, there are some things that I read that I was like, wait, so that dude, and I can't remember his name, but it's like, this dude was trying to keep the Ark of the Covenant from falling, and so he touched it, and then he died. <laughs> okay, let me just keep polite this. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I, yeah. I so I felt, like that. <laughs> Man, unexplained, I, like, oh, geez, what am I to glean from this? So, and 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 I, you know, you know, the the rote, or maybe you don't, I, but the, the rote explanation is the holiness of God, hmm. right? Hmm. But that explanation was not, it, it did not settle me. Um, yeah, we're supposed to want him and want him close, but then what if we reach out in the wrong way? Yeah, this holiness wow. seems to lead to death. So that was the premise of my, <laughs> my 
young years. And that is why I swim in the dark waters. Boy, that really explains all the unrest, eh? When you pinpoint that, let me write that down for therapy later. Oh, boy. No, don't. Because I, you know, I've... I have found my rest in Jesus. I found mm, it. Amen. So, um, but at that time, my youth past, young adult pastor really helped me to want to draw closer. And so I decided that's what I wanted to study more of. And so I didn't have like a pastoral aspiration. I had a um, wanting more tools, wanting a depth of knowledge, wanting a dedicated time to figuring out how to read and learn. And so I never saw myself in Texas, never. But um, my young adult pastor was so formative that I decided that I would apply here. Um, And I doubted I would get in. My background has nothing to do with Bible college. Zero. So, and at the at the time, I I actually viewed myself as unworthy, which of going I, to I the seminary. Yes. Uh. Um, I don't know, mm. but um, I did. So I got in and moved, and been here ever since. Never left. What was your church context growing up? How would you describe it? It was, um, for me, a beautiful place. Hmm. So the fear mongering was not from them. (laughs) It was Hmm. completely, it was me trying to um, settle, synthesize um, what I got from church with also what I was reading in like the book of Judges or Hmm. in Hmm. any of the historical um, books of Bible. You started there, hey? Well, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on. You know, there's it's it's a lot of drama. Um, it's a lot of action. Um, so and and I noticed, you know, a lot of times people want to hang out in the New Testament. I I could see why, mm-hmm. and I also just was drawn to the stories of the Old Testament. But mm-hmm. they are complicated. My church context was a it was a Baptist church with red pews like red plush pillow pews and red carpets. It, it was like, and wood, it just, that tactile, I still, I, I just feel that mm-hmm. church in my my memory, my sense memory, it had a huge pipe organ, red rope choir, handbells. I grew up playing handbells. It was just, it was, I could smell the hymnal pages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then that smells like, you know, the smell of hymnal. Yeah. It's a very specific smell. It, but it was, it was well-used hymnal. So it wasn't like mm, moldy wasn't hymnal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was, it was old, but it was well-used, always opened. And so mm. I, I know a lot of hymns. Um, my church was located, is located in the middle of Manhattan my church had folks from Germany, Austria, the Philippines, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Barbados. It had people who 
were accountants, janitors, teachers, mm. opera singers, um, ballet dancers. I like I tear up thinking about yeah. how much I took for granted. And no church is perfect, but that that feeling there were just some things. Yeah. Like I always knew an outsider because they didn't, or a tourist or a visitor because they didn't know how to act huh. in the space. Um, so the first time I heard the word nigger was in my church because huh. of a visitor. Huh. Who, um, no. Yeah. I was, I think my cousin was 12 and I, she was a dark skinned black girl and uh, didn't hold the door quickly enough for this old woman um but she wasn't she wasn't a part of my church Mm -hmm. but she you know she thought it was okay Mm. to 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 say such a thing Mm -hmm. in in the church of god Mm -hmm. which i think is Mm -hmm. characteristic of a lot of places dang in america right Mm -mm. but but i knew like we i hate i mean it was a formative experience but it wasn't it wasn't the characteristic of my church Mm. Sounds multi-ethnic or was it predominantly yes. black? It, it's multi-ethnic. Led it by multi-ethnic leadership? Yeah. Yep. Dang. Yeah. What a a lot of times the head pastor was a white man and mm-hmm. um, pastoral leadership elders mm-hmm. were multi-ethnic. Mm-hmm. So I that was my rubric. And so yeah. it's been kind of one rude awakening after another yeah. since leaving and it was you know it the their views on women in leadership is like women shouldn't be elders or pastors mm-hmm. so it's not um I, you know i grew up thinking that it was a uh, apostasy to have women yeah yeah behind the pulpit but they could be like in front or they could be like singing yeah, yeah. so it yeah. was like the position anyway That's weird that yeah. kind of that kind of gymnastics. dissonance, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but the, but but I will never. I mean, I will I will always be grateful for that formation mm-hmm. um, and the love of Jesus that they had and gave to me. Um, they loved me. They they took care of me when my parents were working. Um, I had a safe place all the time. So uh, my growing up uh, spiritual formation, I, I, I would, I, it was not perfect. Like no place is perfect. And it was just really great for me, but I was just, I'm just naturally angsty Rahadi. <laughs> so like on the flip side, I was just like, if I, if I approach him wrong, will he slay me? <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So then you go to DTS from that context. Thank you for weaving such a beautiful picture. At what point in that formation, because DTS is, is a conservative seminary, mm-hmm. at what point do you find in your own faith formation both a reimagination of of life-giving pathways and also the cracks in the facade of some of your formative beliefs? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. 
And I don't think I can identify a singular moment where that happened, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you that I felt my myself as an embodied dissonance as soon as I Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. came, rolled up to campus. Um, It just (laughs) immediately, uh, I knew I was out of place as a person, as a woman wearing pants and a head wrap and a tank top in 110 okay. degrees. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where in a sea of suits and floor length floral really? skirts and pearls and really the, wow. the whiplash of people who uh-huh. were like, I cried on orientation day because I, I was just like, what have I done? Yeah. So there, there are definitely unwritten rules in every subculture. Mm. And I was aware that I was breaking rules. And I was also conscious of the fact that the rules had nothing to do with theological education specifically. Hmm. It was just how one should conduct one's self uh-huh. in order to appear chaste or pious or professional yeah. um or holy like you said yes mm. um but in in standards that don't match up with 110 degree weather <laughs> okay right yeah. there are more rules of the trappings of purity culture yeah plus the um the the culture that the majority of the folks come from rather than the culture of Christianity, which is, mm. <laughs> there is not one, you know, mm. like, it's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> it exp- Well, <laughs> well, um, coming onto campus with uh, my hair natural mm. um, was a, f- a form of resistance that I was not even aware of. Mm. I was not aware. And people, both black and white expressed their astonishment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, that's not the case now. And I feel like I'm part of the reason why. It's just yes. not the case. Yes. My academic background was I I had an Ivy League degree. Um, it was in African-American studies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coming coming into the classroom was not an intimidating thing yeah. for me yeah and i think that it i think my posture made people uncomfortable because i was unintimidated and not only that i was able to perform at a level where um skeptics had no fodder oh you can't cut it little missy because this is this is the Harvard of evangelical seminary. Oh no! <laughs> I'm like you. First of all, be who you are. Second of all, you exist because you did not trust Harvard. Uh, so um, please don't. Anyway, and third of all, I went. I went to. I went. I didn't go to Harvard, uh, but I did go to Columbia. So I am not. I am not intimidated. Mm. The ab- academics of seminary weren't what challenged me. What challenged me was not appearing in the syllabus. 
what it, what challenged me was having um, only mm. only a white European or American male point of view yeah. Um, yeah. held up as the standard. Um, what what troubled me was the hermeneutic of uh, distrust and isolation that people who looked like me received. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. troubled me mm -hmm. was being in a classroom where the teachers, and not all of them, I will say that because there were some lovely departments that were a refuge for me, syst systematic theology and um, language. So uh, Hebrew, Greek professors, systematic theology professors were a lovely safe place for me. Ironically, Bible exposition mm. the was not. It just was constantly a place where uh, professors felt comfortable um, relegating Black people, Black theology, and Black culture to music and entertainment. Mm. Um, where and and God forbid you were um, Asian or Latine you weren't there, you weren't represented at all. Mm. And if you were black, you were represented by music. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sure can't sing. Don't be an indigenous person, <laughs> you don't exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except in missions, in missions class. Yeah, everybody, everybody geared their, all the Bible exposition especially geared their talks to men who were married. Yeah, yeah. Um, Typical. Yes. Women were like ghosts in those classes. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. the tuition money was real, but like our existence was yeah. ghosts. What you could do with that. <laughs> right. right. It was just, it was amazing how acceptable that was. Your body was an act of resistance to patriarchy and white supremacy. Yeah. Say All I had to do systems. was mind my business and exist. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you took that posture and it, you didn't, you didn't do that. That was incurred on to you, but you took that posture now of resistance and, and from your own, your own knowledge, your own person, your own being, you produced the antithesis of, what was culturally normative in that context? I don't know if I'm that righteous. I will say this. Like, I don't know if I'm that intentional. Like, I, because internally I was, I was also struggling. Like, oh, well, Christianity for me, following Jesus for me means that I have to die to some forms of myself. You know, mm -hmm. this is what the scripture says. But then the parts that were, were being killed and I was like, is this, I was always struggling with, is this Christianity or is this racism? I don't, is this, is this Christianity or is this misogyny? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I was yeah. like struggling, like mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I do have a place as a yeah. woman. And even if I really resent this place and I, it feels like subjugation to me and it, and it yeah, feels yeah. like, like condescension to me. But maybe that is God's best for me. Is this God's best for me? 
And so I won't, I won't I'm not going to pretend like I, I was fully enlightened. I just, I was not, I was struggling with, with trying to uh, separate what was yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, Texas subculture and this mm. mix of just anger underneath the surface and, and suspicion of the other that just was always humming underneath the surface, but was covered by righteous fervor for protecting the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. I was, I was struggling. I struggled and, and it wasn't like this message wasn't given to me um, before I got to Texas, but it was, it was, it sharpened and got louder and then was also flavored by this place, um, this land where there was no, there, the civil rights movement didn't, didn't occur in the same way here. Mm. Um, and and there, the, in this place, the Ku Klux Klan required church membership in order for you to become a man to become a member. First Baptist Dallas had so many Ku Klux Klan members here. And that didn't just go away. Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm, land, mm -hmm. you know, the just up the block from the school is a highway that bifurcated right through a black neighborhood. They decimated it. And it and it happened with two other highways that were that are like a mile from the seminary. It's just there's so much that is informing that was informing what they were comfortable with calling theology, but was really, was really white supremacy. It's really patriarchy. And the, yes. And so I was just like, what, I was constantly like, okay, well, how does this square up with what I read in the Bible? How does this square up with what I know from my lived experience? How does this square up from the fine, I mean, Every school has its issues, but um, I was reading uh, Augustine, Augustine, and um, uh, I was reading primary sources in Columbia that I didn't read in seminary. Hmm. Um, I had I had a very comfortable knowledge of the place of the Black Church in America, not just because uh, I visited my grandmother's church, but because uh, I I experienced the African diaspora in 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 my studies, yeah. I, and it wasn't squaring. It it's it wasn't squaring, and so it was it was a struggle. The with my hair, sure that was intentional. I was like, look, nobody gonna make me get a perm. Mm -mm. But as far as what what I was supposed to, how is how I was supposed to live as a Christian woman? at the intersection of my womanness and my blackness yeah. is like a black woman would never be a good Christian woman in, in this rubric. Yeah. A black woman could Ooh. never. Ooh. Ooh. It was, it was a struggle. Don't you think that in that struggle, in that resistance, resistance, as you were sifting through 
this truth? You you were sifting through, quote unquote, the gatekeepers of a truth, questioning and searching for what is true. Mm-hmm. Was that not just like to me, that strikes me as a process of of coming out on the other side in pursuit of wholeness and fullness. Yes. Like it was it was your story. And even though you were struggling to put the pieces together through the beauty of, of your own story, that it placed you on the other side into a space of goodness. Didn't know. Yes. Yes. I mean, I I think I'm I'm less I'm harder on myself than your retelling is. I think um, Maybe I absolutely think profits. it was a process. Let me tell you, <laughs> you are not lying. They're all just you know they're they're like the eors of Christianity. Hey, yes. oh guess. End of the road. Nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. If you, you ain't wrong. So. You yeah. ain't wrong. I just... <laughs> That's a good sweater. <laughs> Dang, I gotta write that down. You write that it down. It got to be illegal because, you know, it's going to have E-R, but man. <laughs> you can have a budget E-R. <laughs> <laughs> What does that look like? Come on. A bootleg <laughs> bootleg your. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it didn't it, it felt awful and I think I wasted mm. too much time trying to look for affirmation mm. in these spaces and mm. also I I don't mm. know. There, here's one thing I'm still I would love your input on because one of the things I like about past me is that I was very optimistic and I thought, Oh, if, if there's, there's just a lack, there's just a gulf of understanding. And if I have this Mm. conversation and engage, there's a chance for understanding restoration, healing to happen. I really was optimistic about that. Uh And I don't know, you can, if you can engage me in this, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to become so cynical that I kill all of that hope that used Mm -hmm. to be in me. Mm -hmm. And I, and I want to honor John 17, Mm. where like, this is such, this is what Jesus was saying. This is how, we are identified as people who follow him is is through our unity and love for one another mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like i want to see it and i but i also feel like i've been <laughs> stabbing at my own hope for that i want to keep it alive because I feel like that's an act of worship, but I don't know how to reconcile it with the what I have experienced.
That's such a good question and a reality of so many of our experiences around making sense of faith. And I feel like you glimpsed it when you said that I spent too much time trying to find their affirmations or something like that. Yes. Too much time to find their affirmations. I think if you are looking for liberation within the systems or institutions that seek to make you less whole, you will always be cynical. Mm. Yet cynicism, and the reason why is because it will never change. Cynicism poisons the soul. So if you are in that space that is continuously questioning your own wholeness, fullness of life, of your own liberation, you will be stuck drowning in (laughs) drowning in the grief and the trauma because it will be repetitive and the waves will keep coming over you you can't stop the ocean and the waves of maybe it's like a small lake or something some dirty ass lake and it's coming (laughs) over you and you're like i gotta get out of this lake yes if you're okay with not finding the affirmations from white dad who's going to come and pat you on the head then you can exert or expend that energy or rather that life into the things that also grant life mm-hmm. so i think it's where you put your put your life um, put your energy because if it's in the place that seeks to detract from you it will continue to do so yes um, i don't envy the folks uh, who are within white institutional churches and denominations trying to to lead an illicit change. Mm-hmm. I don't think it can happen. I can think it, it could uh, incrementally, but you're going to give up a lot of your life for a what if. Mm. And I'm I'm not here for what ifs. Mm. Like at, at best, let me just meander slowly with other folks imperfectly who will love one another and chase that unity like unity is part of it that is the story why shouldn't we pine and search for that but if you're in the culture and the context that always is built to detract life from those who do not match the heteronormative white gaze yeah then you're you're wasting your time to put it lightly you're wasting your time i don't know that's my take Thank you. That's that, my take. That's valuable. Find uh, the spaces that give you life and give your family life that affirm your being, uh, mm-hmm. that affirm the 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 relationships and the other bodies and people in your life, um, the multi ethnic little people in your life. You know, mm-hmm. find those spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that leads into another question of it at what point do you feel or in your story where did you feel like you were stepping into wholeness and liberation because the stuff you speak on now your uh expertise around women in scripture and identity and racial reconciliation and and those aspects mm-hmm. th- that you don't just go from a jump to b there's another journey on top of that but it <laughs> sounds like it's a journey unto liberation yeah um, maybe there was there a catalyst or was it similar no, to your I've journey i've been doing this uh-huh. i've been i've been doing it 
Uh-huh. Honestly, like I was looking at like some high school papers and oh, okay. I was just like, oh my goodness, I've I've always been this way. It's just that I've been talking to people who are like, shh, <laughs> you know, in response. Like, so I've always been interested in, yeah. like I said, I was yeah. looking at judges. Uh-huh. I was reading yeah. judges. Yeah, like, excuse yeah, me, okay. can yeah. somebody tell me why this woman was hacked into 12 pieces? Yeah, yeah. yeah Does anybody yeah. want to do a sermon on that? No. So <laughs> I was just like, I'm still interested. I was in seminary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So we're going to do Genesis narratives. I'm going to do, I'm going to preach on Genesis 34. We're going to talk about the rape of Dinah uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and how, how Jacob was silent. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about, let's talk about these, these great patriarchs who, uh, did not protect, did not defend, did not seek justice. Let's talk about it. And so they're like, oh, that was a really good sermon. Yeah. Okay. Can't we just talk about it? (laughs) Right. Well, I, and so I, I definitely have. I've always been this way. I've always brought it up. So mm-hmm. this is, the, I think that um, the the audience or the reception has been varied based on who was listening. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's always been something. I just I remember. Yeah, it's always been like that. I've, it's always been in me, and it hasn't been well received. Yeah. Um, yeah. by the institution, uh, by, you know, by, by people who want to uphold what is in, yeah. in seminary. Yeah. And there's such a, and not in all seminaries, but in my seminary experience, uh, there was such a fear of women in general and such a fear that women would mm. Uh, mm. usurp authority and that fear just, um, vibrated everywhere it men who didn't know how to make eye contact with me when i was on the elevator alone with them like because i might i might seduce them Hmm. on the way to the third floor that quick just like but but why would i but maybe i don't even maybe i don't even want you (laughs) Uh, maybe maybe it isn't even like that and maybe i'm considering you a brother in christ and maybe you should Mm. consider me as a sister um, or how do you how do you view your own sister if you if you're having trouble with me in the elevator? Mm, yeah. Like this this ain't about me. Mm-hmm. But like there was such a tacit vibrating fear of women fear. invading yeah. these spaces yeah. of yeah. scholarship, and I was told I was told more than once that. Either I was there to snag a husband or that I was there um, because I wanted to reach for things that weren't mine to gain mm. because I was in a pastoral program track. I, I mean, too many times. It's embarrassing mm. um, how many times I was told that um, by people who didn't ask me questions Mm-mm. about myself first. Didn't even think. To say why are you here rather than this is what you're here for like i want i had no intention of marrying a dallas theological seminary dude (laughs) Uh, none 
Girl, I was so I, I did, but I had no intention. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> I had no intentions though of, of of doing that. He this this one he was he was uh not like the rest. He was not afraid, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So and that was that was really endearing. But that I I would say because I wasted a lot of time in my own life, in my own journey. Um, trying to unify with people who don't want me. Mm. The mm. it was it. 2018 when I quit a job with the women's organization, a parachurch organization. Um, that is when I was like, "Ooh, I'm I'm gonna choose me. No more of this." Mm. Like it was mm-hmm. so. It's really anxiety inducing um, and traumatizing to be with people who, when they face front, are just all about racial reconciliation and love and community. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah. and at the same time, undercut every, every uh, opportunity for me to just do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, who are, yeah. who are clueless about People dying in the streets. I've heard this story before. Yeah. Right? Clueless about the the mental cruelty of entering into a space that is so completely not made for you. And like being left, being left off the group chat, being told, oh, I know this is your job, but let let this girl do it because she's been a part of our community forever Mm. and even though it's part of your job description you would do it differently let let this girl do it because she she would feel bad if she didn't get to do it Mm -mm. just backbiting Mm -mm. um talking about people behind their back just the but front facing Mm -hmm. just fresh and clean and loving and caring um oh yes and and quick, quick to blackball you as soon as you step mm-hmm. out of line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And quick, quick to make sure everybody associated with them isolates mm-hmm. and blackballs you too. That's yeah. that's liberation. I heard that playbook before. Have you? Mm. Because they somewhere. share it. Yeah, it's on the Dropbox. <laughs> Everyone gets coffee. <laughs> The idea of liberative community now and a faith that matches. Mm. Uh huh. What does that look like for you and your family today? So I love that. Um, I love pondering that because it involves leaving the known behind the mm. the models mm. of what we already know um behind Hmm. Hmm. for me i think because i was socialized to think that bigger is better Hmm. that more is better because i've worked in the spaces of more and bigger I want to go small. And for me, it's it's going small. 
Um, it is risking being vulnerable again after spending so much time being open and vulnerable and being pummeled, mm. being taken advantage of, being mm. lied on, or being stolen from. Mm. Um, it, it, it is a holy act for me to continue in vulnerability. Yeah. Um, but I think that I, it's hard for me to articulate, Rohadi. I think that so much of my work in myself is not being productive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's turning off a lot of um, the performance cues that have moved me forward in, in a damaging system though. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's all those intersections that take from you. Yes. But the, there were there were some benefits, right? That's why mm -hmm. I was willing to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There were there was some form of reprieve. It's just a slice. Yeah, it's a slice, and it's so fickle. Just sign it's, here. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh man, don't get me started on on non disclosure agreements and oh, shucks. The right. Real, the real just sign here. Uh. The real one, and how how ubiquitous they are in these spaces of that's correct. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, but but when you need to protect the, uh, a behemoth, you know, these are what you do. This is why I want to go small, and this mm -hmm. is why I'm like, I I don't want productivity to be my idol. I don't want it to. I don't want my. I don't want busyness to be my um, proof of worth. Um, and that yeah, is yeah, part yeah. of what it looks like for me be, because yeah, yeah. Um, that's a resistance too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I've never been one to ask people what they do for a living. And I think that is, that is God showing up in me, right. Mm. To be able to, to see people not for what they do, which, what is that? Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it's value in a capitalist society, but yeah. I don't, I don't, but what does it look like in the kingdom? It's like, the mm. <sighs> Jesus asked so many good questions and he's like, so good at listening. And so mm. I want to be like him in that I want to be able to sit with folks and be sat with myself. Right. And not have it be about, Okay, so what can you do for us after you become a member and, yeah. you know, tithing? And <laughs> it, I think the conversations about generosity are different. You know, conversations about mm. hospitality are different. Yeah. Um, they have different motives. Um, they have different ends and just... No, it decentralizes the, the the hoarding of wealth and resources for this one 
behemoth entity and, yeah yeah right decentering power too at the same time it absolutely bestows power on everyone mm. like because it's not it's not a hoarding it's a it's more organic it's like who needs okay who has and and so there's this constant transference that's just like again jesus who says you know all power has been given to me so you here mm-hmm. like he has it he, he deserves it he disperses it mm-hmm. gives it away come on constantly <laughs> constantly mm-hmm. and yeah. he doesn't lose that's anything because it's not uh, there's no scarcity uh-huh. involved that's a book that right there that okay, well, line. somebody go write that. No, no, that's yours. <laughs> Keep it. Put it in your book draft folder. That he will disperse of this power, and he was not even like no power left him. Right. If if like if any power left him, it didn't stay gone. You know, like he's mm. a river. Right. He can recognize. We know the woman touched the hem of his garment yes, right? yes. and he's like who what? i felt that right uh-huh. yeah i felt that and he felt the power go out of him but it wasn't like mm, well, you know when power goes out of me i'm in trouble it was just like somebody needed that i felt that uh, i need to know so who good. who who did i transfer that sharif this is a book this is this is it oh my <laughs> gosh I'm just happy to be along for the ride as you come up with just to be part of it is gift enough for me. But You are so funny. So good. No, that's take that. Take that. Okay, I'll take I, it. I recorded it. You can re- listen to it again. And like, that's already two, three chapters into this. Oh, so good. Thank you for your time, for sharing May I affirm you, you use these words, but if I could offer you an affirmation that your holy act of continuing in vulnerability is good. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. sharing so vulnerably and for uh, spending time with me today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me on. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, it's not all yours. We're sharing it. Okay, okay, okay. We share <laughs> the richness and the riches. That's right. The abundance. The abundance of two Eeyores. <laughs> treading water. Bootleg. Bootleg just Eeyore. Bootleg Eeyore. Just, oh, we're sinking here. <laughs> I guess it's time to go. <laughs> and we good with that. I guess it's our time. Yeah. Just just let me be. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>